A few episodes ago, we talked about sidecars and how they change the ride, but putting that extra wheel off to one side in the sort of traditional manner for motorcycles isn't the only way to change the ride. In fact, where you put that extra wheel brings not only change, but a host of extra benefits that may just suit your style for one thing or another. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manicom. Ted Simon. Austin Vance. Simon Pavey. Bill Bragu. Helga Pedersen. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Sean Thomas. And this is Adventure Rider Radio. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA. Comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters. Cyclepump.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. If you think about some of the issues that you may face in an off-pavement ride, or what we would call an adventure ride, maybe you're heading out for the weekend or a couple of weeks, you're packing all your gear for your adventure, that's always a task. Being sure that you have what you need, but not taking too much, and then leave some room for some food and, and maybe something if you want to pick something up. But then after you get it all packed up, you're dealing with a totally different machine compared to the one you ride around town. It's wide and it's heavy. And now when you drop the bike, you've got another 40 or 50 pounds to lift along with your bike. Well, that brings me to this guy. My name is Friso Stolk. I'm from Kelowna, British Columbia, and I'm a tool and die maker. And motorcyclist. He likes to ride in remote places. And some years back, he had an experience that set off a, a light bulb for him to put all that stuff that he used to carry in his panniers behind him, literally. Uh, yeah, well, it, was a, it started with a camping trip in central B.C., a number of years ago, 20 years ago, actually, a beautiful area. It's an area called Tosico Lakes. Uh, beautiful scenery. There's glaciers, forests. Uh, the forests haven't been touched by clear cutting. So because the area is predominantly all the roads there are for mining exploration. So you have the beautiful scenery without the clear cuts of the forestry. So it's really, really nice area to visit. And we, we went there with our dirt bikes at the time. Um, I had a Jeep Cherokee with a trailer and I put the motorcycles in the back of that. But just to get in there was about eight hours of four by fouring through these mining exploration, I call them roads, but they were trails with river crossings and all, all the rest of it. And uh, we basically destroyed everything we brought in there and what do you mean, like the Jeep and the trailer? Yeah, like the <laughs> the, uh, the the trails were were so grown in that uh, you, you just hear screeching as you were driving through them, and everybody's vehicles were just pinstriped all the way down from kilometers and kilometers and kilometers of this brush, just scraping the side of your vehicle, and then going through the rivers and stuff, you're rock crawling and twisting frames and oh, it was a disaster. But anyhow, so we got into the southern end of these lakes and um, that's when this guy pulls up with his uh, mountain bike and his, and his trailer on the back. And uh, he had been following us in, I guess, but it didn't take him all that much longer. And... Uh, I thought, wow, geez, that's that's really something. That would be really handy to have behind a motorcycle. I could have parked at the road and saved saved the whole vehicle. I mean, <laughs> it was it would have been uh, quite the thing. And then I thought, well, if I could drive it on the road, then I wouldn't even really need the vehicle. I would have saved the gas from Kelowna. It was about a five-hour drive. Plus, I wouldn't have even needed it. I could have just packed it on because these new adventure bikes, I mean... They're lightweight. They're uh, they're good in the in the bush. Like they're they're fantastic. So if you have a trailer on the back, well, you've got everything you need. So that's kind of how it started. Yeah.
so um, Trail Tale started a number of years ago uh, where we decided to make, similar to a bob trailer for a mountain bike, uh, a trailer that goes behind a motorcycle. So that uh, the idea was that you could bring the same amount of volume as a Goldwing at the time, which was about 130 liters of space, but you could drag that behind a small motorcycle. And then it morphed into being able to pull that with any kind of motorcycle. Yeah, I guess it's similar to what you'd, you'd mentioned about the mountain bikes or what um, people often see uh, with, I was going to say with towing uh, a, a kid carrier behind a bicycle, but I, I think they're mainly two wheel, aren't they? But your, yours is a one wheel trailer. Yeah, the idea with single wheel was to keep it nice and narrow so that it wouldn't be any wider than the foot pegs of the motorcycle. So right. that, and then also with the one wheel, if your front tire goes through and your rear tire goes through, the um, rear tire of the trailer will go like it'll be within an inch of both those tires. So you can navigate it pretty, pretty nicely. That's what I was thinking. You've only got one track to worry about, even as you're going along. So you pick your route through some rocks and things like that. You only have to worry about that one tire, just like you normally do, you know, you uh, riding your motorcycle and you designed it with that. Like you guys were doing off road to begin with. So you're designing it for the toughest, roughest stuff. Yeah. Well, that's how it started was with purely off road. And then it just morphed into being able to do both. Yeah. So describe this thing that you ended up with. Well, it's, it's, a, it's got a very low center of gravity because we, dis, we determined really early that if it's, if, if it's too high off the ground, your center of gravity gets, gets all out of whack because you've got all this weight up there trying to tip you over. So you have to have it less than the clearance of your bike. A normal motorcycle has a, a ground clearance of, say, 10 inches, uh, especially on the smaller models, maybe even 12 inches. And so we tried to keep it at that same level, but it, it just didn't work. So we ended up having to drop it down so that it would become rideable so that you don't notice the, the effect of the trailer when you're riding so much. But in order to drop the thing down, of course, now it's hitting all the debris. It's hitting all the rocks. It's hitting all the ditches. Uh, it, it takes a beating down there. So it had to become quite sturdy. So it is a little bit uh, heavy, but you can take a sledgehammer and smash the front of the trailer and it'll just bounce to one side. So mm. it kind of has to be that heavy. So we've added some, some features now like that because we have that heavy tube in the front as a bash plate that has now become an air reservoir. So you can fill up your air mattress with the air that you store inside uh. the I like that. I like that. You're using something, a space that you already have there and you could do tires as well, of course. Yeah, exactly. So if you drop your tire pressure to get it into some nasty terrain, then you can bump it back up again when you to the road without having to use a, I mean, an air pump isn't that hard to use obviously, but just uh, a little easier. Yeah. Now also you have a box on there. There's a molded cargo box. Yeah, so the trunk is in is it was an add-on afterwards. It's the whole pattern. It's just four bolts that bolt to the chassis and it just has a waterproof um lid gasket that goes around and it has uh, some stainless steel lockable latches you can put some padlocks on just for people that were using them for adventure riding for traveling on larger trips. You can lock your load in there, you can uh, go to bigger cities and not worry about your stuff. Uh, or you can just use the cargo area to store your helmet and your riding gear, keep some, uh, some shoes in there, some flip-flops. So yeah, just a little bit of storage. This is a, a sculpted sort of trunk that you're talking about. Uh, it doesn't just look like a box stuck on there. Uh, you know, I've seen them before with, um, you know, those those plastic boxes on there, but this is a sculpted trunk. Like it, it, it's clearly designed just for this purpose. Yeah. My, uh, my One of my friend's dad was a body man. And so he helped me make the plug for it. Ah, nice. So so it, you- took us, it took us a few weeks and we made a nice uh, fiberglass plug for it. And they're, they're nice. I mean, they, they suit the the purpose they they're designed to hold uh, a jerry can and a half size cooler 
And then around the jerry can and the half-size cooler, there's all kinds of room for camping gear, luggage. And the beauty with the trunk, the way it's designed, is the lid is the opening for the whole box. So when you take that lid off, you can see all of your luggage and your gear. It's right out in the open. Whereas when you're traveling with like soft bags or even some some of the pays, everything is in a little compartment somewhere and you have to unload nine things to get at one thing and then put it all back again. And this is just, you open up the lid and it's all there. And it's waterproof, you said. So you, you drag it through a stream or something, you're not getting water in? Nope, nope. A tiny little bit if you actually drown it. And if like if you dump the bike in, the, in a stream, yeah, you'll... You'll get some in, but it, it's for the most part through rain or anything like that. It's it's completely waterproof. And size wise, how big is this thing? So originally, it's we kept the same design. So we wanted to be able to have the same luggage as a as the old Goldwing, which was 130 liters, and um, that's what we stayed with. So I think it's 133 liters of space. Wow. So 133 liters, 35 US gallons, maybe 20, 29 imperial gallons for, for uh, Canadians and, and people from the UK. When behind this box that's on there, the, the trunk itself, you have suspension and a tire. Yeah, just to keep, keep the load uh, a, a little suspended, especially, you know, you'd want to put your eggs in the back of the trailer where it's fully suspended. But the, uh, the, the suspension is about six inches of travel and the tire is a, it's a DOT scooter tire actually, but it's a very heavy duty rim with a somewhat off-road ish tire on it. And I mean, the tire doesn't really matter what the tread is on it because it doesn't do any braking. It doesn't do any accelerating. Mm -hmm. It's just there along for the ride. So, but uh, with previous tires, we've had some spoked rim tires and over the years, we were getting some pinch flap flats on those ones with, uh, you know, if you're driving through a logging area and there's a, a washout and you don't see it in time and you hit it doing 60 kilometers an hour, you would get a pinch flat. And then we thought, well, that's no good. So we, we ended up with this tire here, which is a, a tubeless system and uh, it's just overbuilt a little bit, but for that reason, we don't get any, we don't get any pinch flats anymore. Uh, you can drive the thing to Alaska and back and you can do it all in one tire. So this is a 13 inch tire. Uh, I think it's, a, yes, it's a 13 inch tire. Yeah, 13, right. and, and so it's easy, easy to get, like, would you be able to get these tires anywhere if you're on a long trip? That's another reason why we chose that is because you can get those tires anywhere in the world. Right. So Cause they're if, scooter tires. Scooter tires. Right. You can go down to Guatemala and you'll find somebody that has that tire. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Now, capacity-wise, what you can put into this thing, what are we talking here? Well, you can easily disappear with two people for a very long time. I mean, you can put your uh, half-size cooler in there. I used to put gas in there in, in the trailer, but a lot of the newer bikes have such large fuel tanks. You don't really need to do that. So mm. if you don't need to carry a jerry can, you've got luggage for two people, no problem. Um You've got camping gear. That's what's the, the nice thing that's happened since we started is all this camping gear has gotten so small and compact. Um, we, I even have two lawn chairs that I fit in mine that are like these nice. unfoldable little lawn chairs. They're amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I even just use it for getting groceries. I mean, I don't really need to take my my car to work anymore. I can just use that. And capacity weight wise? Oh, capacity weight wise. It depends on what you're doing. I guess if you're, if you're on some single track, you might want to stay around 60 pounds, maybe less. But if you're out on the, just on the road, you can probably put a hundred pounds in there, but I think you'd run out of space before you, uh, before you ran out of weight capacity because the shock and the tire are so overbuilt. Uh, yeah, it, 
it depends on how heavy the bike is. There's a few variables there, but that's say 60 pounds would be safe. So 25 kilograms, roughly up to 45 kilograms if you're, if you're just doing street stuff. So, so this thing, the way you're describing it, it, it can handle any sort of off-road and it can also handle any sort of highway. This is something you, you just connect up and you're ready to hit anything. Yes. Yeah. That's the idea. Much like the adventure bike itself. Yeah, exactly. So what, what I'm interested in here is, is the connection to the motorcycle. So we're, we've got one wheel. So how does this connect to the motorcycle? So the, um, when we first started, it was with uh, small motorcycles that were basically motocross machines. And every, every bike like that has a hollow rear axle. So we thought, well, instead of trying to make a fancy suspended hitch, um, which would give the, the trailer some suspension as well, but it would also put stress on the subframe of the motorcycle. We thought, well, why don't we just keep it simple and go to the rear axle of the bike? Because every bike that is of somewhat a performance bike has a hollow rear axle. Maybe not every bike, but most of them do. So we just put a, um, a skewer basically through the rear axle of the bike, and that's your attachment point. So that way you can center the trailer properly with uh, a shim set that comes with the bike or with the trailer rather. And uh, you can attach the whole 130 liters of space with one three eighths bolt basically. So this is a long bolt that slides through the axle. So there there's, must be two arms coming up from the trailer, one on either side. And the Correct. bolt goes through those? Okay. And then it bolts together. You mentioned spacers in there. What about for a bearing in the hollow axle itself? So the bolt is not just rattling around inside the axle. Yeah, that you can just put some uh, uh, some spacers in there. Uh, some people, if they have a, like the larger KTMs, they have a, a quite a big hole through the center of the axle. You can actually put a, a half inch PEX water line in there first. Mm. And then that acts as a, as it's a barrier a between, right. but you do keep that uh, bolt. You keep it somewhat snug, so it's not really that important uh, if that thing moves around a little bit. It's it it doesn't really matter, and it doesn't move around as much as you'd think when you once you snug that three eighths um, bolt. It has a fine thread on there, and then you put a two nuts on the other end to double nut it so that it's locked in place. Uh, it doesn't move around all that much. Oh, so it's not flopping around like a, like a pintle hitch or something like that. No, 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 no. Right. You keep it spaced properly. You snug it up so that there is no movement whatsoever. And then uh, you're good to go. So th this thing stands up with the bike. It, it's being held up by the, by basically the axle of the bike. And, and it's connected to the, um, as you mentioned, the, the rear swing arm, which is incredibly strong compared to the, you know, it's anything hanging down from the subframe. Subframe, I don't even think there were any subframe is meant for that kind of weight, uh, the extra weight on it. Cause the, the, I mean, look at the, the weight limits they've got on the subframe for putting extra gear on, you know, it's, it's very, very small, but, but anyway, so this thing's standing up on its own, basically held up by the motorcycle and falls mm -hmm. along behind. How does it, how does it, does it pivot at all? Yeah, there is a, a pivoting knuckle um, just at the end of the front swing arm of the trailer uh, to give it some some lateral movement. So it only it leans with the bike through the corners, and then it articulates just behind the rear tire of the bike on a little uh, universal joint that we've made that where it joins to the actual trailer. In and articulates in all directions. No, just in the uh, horizontal plane. So basically it follows the arc of your turn, even if you're, even if you're turning a very tight turn. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. You said 20 years, I didn't realize it's been around for so long. So you've had lots of experience, a lot of people taking this thing off road, beating it up and then having to fix or, or change whatever you needed to. I mean, you're looking at an advanced product at this point. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been in development for some time. I mean, not full time over the last 20 years, but, uh, I have gone on multiple rides every year and every, every time you go on a ride, you learn something new. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the, the first, the ones we're making now are definitely uh, a lot different than, than the first ones we made, but they, yeah, that's, that's how it works with uh, research and development. I guess you kind of have to trial and error sort of, so to speak. Now, did I see something about putting a dog in here? Uh, yeah, well, there's a lot of people that like to travel with their pets and uh, 
pretty hard to get a dog to sit on a motorcycle, although I've seen it, but, uh, so we have a, it's the exact same trailer. It's just has a different lid that has a little, uh, Jetsons kind of bubble, if you will, and, uh, allows the dog to, to be able to breathe out of the side and not get debris in its face. So it's like a plexiglass bubble and it gets cut into the, um, the existing lid or a different lid. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been pretty popular actually. So where can we find these trailers if somebody wants to get one? Well, we sell off of our website, uh, trailtail.com, um, or just there. I think my phone number is on there so you can call me directly. And, uh, yeah, we just put every, uh, order together custom we mm-hmm. find out what kind of motorcycle you have. We ask for three photos of the rear of the motorcycle just so that we can make sure there's no pipes that interfere or uh, fairings or what have you. So, so you check every through. one. Yeah. Yeah. What about if you don't have a hollow axle? Yeah, there is other options then. So we have a, a, a straight hitch. So if you can get a trailer hitch for your bike, if you have a big cruiser or something that it's just impossible to reach the, the rear axle, then you just put a trailer hitch on and then just adapt instead of a front swing arm with two arms to go on either side of the rear swing arm of the bike. We have a, uh, an option where we just use a square receiver that has that same pivoting knuckle, but it's just a, a square tube receiver style, like a much like a automotive trailer hitch or we have some models of bikes that people just won't leave alone like the uh the old kl klr 650 of course (laughs) so for that bike we've actually made a a replacement axle that has little attachment nubs on the ends uh so that you can attach the trailer that way and these so. these modifications that you're making for axles that aren't hollow are they still off roadable? They they still have all the same features as far or uh, abilities as what the other trailer does? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't take the uh, the Goldwing off road, but you could, I guess. Well, I just talked to somebody <laughs> not too long ago who was doing that, but that's, 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 oh, that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, certainly not your average off road vehicle. Um, yeah, but but otherwise, but yeah, essentially, it's this, the same same, same idea. Yeah. Right. And is the trailer different or is it just the hitch that's different? Just the hitch. Yeah. I see. So you, you could take that trailer off and put it on a, a, a bike that had a hollow axle. Yeah. No and that's the whole idea behind it is that you don't have to, every time you get a new motorcycle, you don't have to buy a new luggage setup. You can just reuse the same, it should fit. Or if it doesn't fit, you can just buy a new front swing arm that hasn't changed in 15 years and just move from bike to bike that way. So that's a lot of our uh, repeat customers. They just call up and say, yeah, well, I traded this bike in for this bike and now I need a front axle or front uh, swing arm to, to fit my, uh, my V-Strom or my, uh, my new uh, Africa Twin or whatever. Mm-hmm. We just, yeah. Now, do you find yourself not taking uh, panniers on your bike because you have the trailer? Like, does, this, yeah. does that eliminate that for you? Yeah, because you've got enough space with the trailer. You don't need the pannier, so you you don't have all that weight up high off the motorcycle. Uh, you've got the same amount of space. I mean, what a lot of people do is they use the panniers and the trailer. So you can, you can really drag everything along with you. Take everything with you. But I think there's enough space in the trailer. So you really don't need the panniers and there's disadvantages to the panniers too. I mean, if you, let's say if you drop your bike in the parking lot, it, the bike by itself already weighs a lot of times too much to lift. And then if you have all that weight in there with the panniers, uh, all that weight up high, it makes it almost impossible. So then with the trailer is if it falls over, you just pick it up. It's, there's no weight difference whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. Width wise, um, handling off road. I I can think of a lot of advantages to this. Now, when it does fall over with the trailer attached, the trailer just falls over with the bike and then you pick it up. Is that how it works? Yeah. 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 And and as you mentioned, it's, it's low center of gravity. So even when you go to pick it up, it's almost like having a lever to to stand up your, your gear. Yeah. It doesn't actually make a difference uh, picking it up either way. And that's it, that shows in the handling too. When you, when you're uh, riding through some twisty roads, 
you don't have, if you don't have your panniers on, you're a lot more nimble because that weight is off the bike and it's behind you and it's down low and it's a lot less intruding. Mm-hmm. Well, Friso, thank you very much for your time. I, I appreciate it. it. Sounds like a, a neat product you've got there. Yeah. Well, thanks for reaching out, Jim. I really appreciate it. That was Friso Stoke from Trail Tale. He's located in the Okanagan Valley in British Columbia, Canada. The website for Trail Tale is trailtale.com. That link along with some pictures of his trailer um, and Friso himself uh, are in the show notes, of course, for this episode on our website, adventureriderradio.com. to take just a quick break. I got a few things I want to tell you about when we come back. We're going to talk about putting a wheel up front for a ride that you may not have imagined. Stay with us. You know, it's not very often you come across something that changes your ride. I mean, improves it in a drastic way. The Atlas Throttle Lock is one of those things. Now, what it does is it holds your throttle in position as you ride, so you can relax your hand and your, and your wrist, etc. And it's funny because, you know, it seems so simple that it could almost be dismissed as maybe not that important. That's probably what I would have thought before I'd met David and Heidi Winters at a show as well. Um, by the way, David and Heidi Winters, uh, they're a couple, they were traveling the world. David had a broken wrist and he got so frustrated because he was trying all different kinds of throttle locks to ride because... Heidi doesn't ride. So he's the rider of the bike and they wanted to keep moving and he's trying all these different throttle locks and he just got so frustrated that that he said, when he comes back, he's going to design a new throttle lock. And that's what he did. And man, what they came up with is revolutionary. It is beautiful. I mean, not only is it a beautiful piece of gear, craftsmanship, it works as if it was designed from the factory. Better, in fact, than if it came with, a fa- uh, with the, the bike from the factory. It's got two buttons on it that I want to tell you about. Two buttons with firm, positive feedback. When you press them, you know which button you're pressing. It tells you whether you're engaging or disengaging the throttle lock. It'll change your ride. Have a look at it. AtlasThrottleLock.com is a website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. AtlasThrottleLock.com. You know, you use them every time you get on, every time you get off your bike, every time you ride down the highway, every time you ride a dirt road, and particularly every time you stand. Yes, I'm talking about your foot pegs. That's your major contact point for your motorcycle. Don't skimp. This is an area where you want the best. You want to look at IMS products. IMS products makes a full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs, everything from their super wide ADV1 and ADV2 pegs on down to their core enduro pegs. They've got a peg that will suit your style, that will add some leverage and control and certainly traction for your feet to your ride. It's one of the most, one of the best improvements I think you can do to your bike. And it's kind of interesting because it doesn't seem like a real exciting one. Believe me, when you put them on your bike, like I found, it's a huge difference. It's night and day. IMSproducts.com is their website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them on Adventure Rider Radio. IMSproducts.com. Turkana Gear is a new manufacturer of soft luggage for motorcycles. Crafted through experience is their motto because the founders are all travelers. So these travelers, including Mickness and Elsby from Peaky Peaky Overland, got together and brainstormed on what they liked and what they thought was lacking in soft gear that they had experience with. They thought about what was important to them as travelers for gear, and they came up with some interesting points. First off, uh, it was paramount that the gear was durable. That's an obvious one. Dependable, of course. Um, Then repairable. They wanted the bags to be easily repaired on the road simplicity. They want gear that gets the job done. And the interesting thing was they wanted it available at prices that leaves money in your pocket for more riding. I like that idea. Turkanagear.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Turkana is T-U-R-K-A-N-A. So turkanagear.com. So uh, my name is Martin Etier. I'm a director of global marketing at Canam on Road, working at uh, Canam uh, and BRP since uh, I will say 15 years now. And I've been involved since day one with the Canam Riker and the Canam Spider. Martin, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. 
very pleasure to, to be here because uh, what is interesting, uh, James, is I really share a passion for power sport in general and also motorcycle. So, um, Mark, you mentioned you've been there since since square one yep. with Can-Am, uh, working on this three-wheeled motorcycle or three-wheeled device. I'm just going to leave it at that for now because I want to get into that. But before that, were you into motorcycling before you got into this? No, not at all. In fact, it's an interesting question. I've been, I'm, I'm, I've been in power sports since I'm young. My dad had, uh, you know, a skiddy snowmobile, an Everest, um, then ATVs, uh, and I, I've worked all my, um, when I was young in a marina. So I've been on power sport products since day one. Uh, but my only experience with motorcycle was when uh, maybe as a, a teenager, uh, one of my older uh, friends had a son have, um, had a motorcycle. Uh, it was a sport bike and he, he gave me a ride. <laughs> and I can guarantee you that he was not respecting the speed limit. <laughs> and since then I said, no way. I will never jump on a motorcycle again. So that's why I experienced many power sport vehicles. And when I started to work at BRP uh, 15 years ago, um, I had the opportunity to go on on the three-wheel business. You know, the three-wheel was starting. And at that time, they had, you know, to to have your three-wheel license. You needed to to do your two-wheel license. So I said, okay, let's do it. And and for sure now, it's not the case. We have a mini rider education school and you can do it on on three-wheel. But when I did my two-wheel license, I uh, started to really enjoy also the two-wheel. So that's why, and now 15 years later, I love to ride uh, both two and and three-wheeler. And for me, uh, now having the uh, leading kind of the marketing for Canna Monroe, it was a, it a very interesting. It's um, I have really the background of a new entrant in motorcycle because again I was in power sport, not, not a motorcycle. But when I discover uh, that and how you can travel, uh, also the how you can travel, but with a different feel of when you're on a car. And I know that all your listeners understand the, 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 the win in your face therapy, the feeling of freedom that you can only experience on a motorcycle. So that's why I'm, I fall in love with, with a motorcycle. And for me, three or two wheels is it's a motorcycle and we know it, it's fun vehicle. It's different for sure. It's different. It's different experiences, but both are very interesting. That, now that is interesting. You coming from a different angle because I was picturing you more being a motorcyclist who had ended up on a three wheeler, which is sort of how I have it in my head. But I, I do want to ask you about that coming up about who is the person that, that's actually buying one of the Canon spiders or strikers. But before we get to that, can you describe this, what we're talking about here? Yeah. <laughs> In fact, w- when we're talking about f- first, people need to understand what is Canam because for people in Canada, they they they, on, they know well BRP, but Canam first Canam uh, offers a complete lineup of off-road vehicles, side by side ATVs, and also the three-wheel motorcycle, which is the Canam Riker and the Canam Spider, and. Canam is a brand of BRP, and people need to understand that BRP also includes the brand of Skidoo Snowmobile, Sidoo uh, Personal Watercraft, Link Snowmobile, and also we have a, a bunch of uh, watercraft company, Alumacraft, Manitou, Quintrex, and we also have the Rotax engine. So BRP is a holding of many brands that people, I'm sure, uh, understand and are aware of. Well, hang on, and, just, just before you, you go any further with describing what the, the Spider and the Striker is, with, with BRP, with Can-Am rather, um, Can-Am has been around even before this though, because you used to have Can-Am motorcycles. So it's sort of a brand, I, isn't it a brand that you sort of brought back? Exactly. It's very interesting because Can-Am, you know, the brand Can-Am started in 1973 with dirt bike. 
basically. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's uh, where Canam started. And as you can imagine, in 2023, Canam is going to have 50 years. So, uh, and and that's a scoop uh, (laughs) that I'm giving you, is for sure, uh, we will want to celebrate that 50 year anniversary in 2023 for Canam. So it's very interesting. The origin of Canam was on two wheel. And we, uh, for many reasons, you know, we, we, we stopped in the 80s to produce uh, the two-wheel Canam. And then the brand came to life and I've been brought back to life in 20, in, in 2000, in fact, when we decided to brand our ATV models was Bombardier at the time to Canam. And in 2000, that's where Canam uh, has been put in market again. And since then, we uh, everything that has will at BRP uh, is a Canam. So Canam ATV and so so and side by side, and now the three wheeler. So that's why that's where Canam started. But what is interesting to to understand is for the three wheel because your question what is it exactly a canam racker or spider basically uh, you know for us is it a vehicle is it a motorcycle so a lot of people are using different languages but at the end of the day uh, when we talk with the riders both on two wheel and three wheel it's a motorcycle but it just it's a different DNA it's like uh, if you compare an ATB. You know, and uh, a side by side, uh, it's uh, it's a two off-road product. Uh, you can go on the same land, but it's just filling different needs. And uh, a Canam uh, Spider or a Canam Racker, it's that. It's three wheel. You can still experience the open air feeling. It just for sure with the Y shaped design, which the frame, the two wheel in the front and one at the back. What is giving you is you giving you more stability. Uh, but also give you more performance when you arrive in a corner because uh, we have electric um, also help that keeps all the time the three wheel underground. So you're able to take the corner faster or just give you more comfort because when you arrive in a turn and uh, now you have much more stability. So that's also raised the, the, the comfort level. So in nutshell, it's many, uh, there's many um, differences versus a two-wheel motorcycle. But at the same time, there is many similarities in terms of feeling and experiences. You mentioned you, you've been there right from the start when Canam yeah. first started to build these three-wheeled machines. What was the reason? What, why did they, what, what niche were they filling or what was the reason they came up with this? And in particular, I think up until then, mainly what you saw when you thought of a trike is you thought of two wheels in the back, one wheel in the front. So why this one? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. For me, uh, I have two main points on that. Very interesting. First, um, we have to come back in in 2000. uh, BRP had product on the snow with Skidoo Snowmobile and Link Snowmobile. And then we we had the ATVs uh, at that time on the trail. So the goal was to go on the road. But to go on the road with a product at that, you know, respect our DNA because you. We need to understand that BRP has that innovation DNA. We invented the snowmobile. We invented the personal water watercraft, which is the sit-down watercraft. So we wanted to do the same, but to go on the road, and that's why we decided to. Okay, let's try, and the challenge was let's try to go on the road, not with four wheel or or two wheel. Because to make sure we really own that innovation. And what we have to understand also from the get-go, the goal was really to democratize the sport and the adventure. And the goal was to bring that the sport of the motorcycle to a broader range of people. And bringing a, a broader range of people, you need to bring more stability but you still need to keep the fun and the thrill and the the adventure feeling so that's why the y platform which is the two wheel in the front and one at the back has been designed because when you compare both versus traditional trike uh, it's uh, very different in terms of experience meaning in terms of performance and comfort so that's why we decided to go with the y platform 
that had to be quite a, um, a sort of a step out into the abyss, not knowing because there's no market there to compare to. This is something brand new and you have to sit there and think, well, will people buy this thing? You've got to get into dealerships. Exactly, exactly. So that's why it was, you know, when every time you start a new new to the world product, as we call it, we did the same with the Skidoo snowmobile. Same thing with the personal watercraft. The goals, when you want to democratize the sport and bring it to a vast majority of people, there's pros and cons and you have challenges big time, as you mentioned. And the biggest challenge, I will say, Jim, and it, it's still the case, but for a small group of people, for us, it's, you know, the, the, the three-wheel stigma. Because a, a three-wheeler in... Uh, 10 years ago was not positive. When you look overall the market, there's about one third of current riders that have a three-wheel stigma. But what is very interesting is it's not to convince those people with preconceived notion. You know, they have a preconceived notion and that's okay. But for us and at Canam, and when we decided to jump on that adventure, the goal was really to, okay, two-thirds of the riders right now and the vast majority of the um, the population are open to three wheel, and embrace the fact that Canam Riker and Canam Spider uh, are fun to ride products. So this is not me telling that. This is many a uh, research that we did. So that's why we decided. So okay, let's let's try to give a product to the people open to the category because they want to go on the road. They want to have also the that wind therapy and that feeling. So what is interesting is there's, um, to better understand, you know, the, the three will and why we decided, there's uh, really three types of riders uh, with different reality. And why did they sit to jump on a three wheel? That's what is is really interesting. So let me picture you the three type of riders, and your listener will understand why we decided to go there. The first one is we call it the new entrant, and it, it's my case. What I explain is, I was not a motorcyclist. Uh, I was enjoying the sport in general, but for me to go on the road, I needed something with more stability, but still I'm looking for performance and have fun on the road. So that's why right now they have a lot of people that is entering into the motorcycle industry on two wheels also. So right now they are booming in motorcycle. Why? Because of those new entrants. And the vast majority are cho choosing the three-wheel right now. Why? Because it's helping them to go into the sport. But at the same time, if you have some preconceived notion or you're not sure to, to go on two-wheel, and so that the three-wheel is a really good um, uh, product for you. The second, I will say, type of rider that we see out there is the returners. I'm sure among your listener um there's a lot of people that used to have a bike when they were young and they started their life, had kids, job, house, and needed to make choices. And they sure. dropped the, the motorcycle and then came back years after. We have a lot of people that decided to choose the Canam Riker or the Canam Spider because for them, it's still bringing that win in their face but with a, a different angle with the stability. And the third one that, that we see why and the third type of people that decide to buy a motorcycle is the current motorcyclist. So they've been on all their life on a two-wheel. But at some point, they arrive and it could be because the age, because they're uh, also, they want to explore more, they want more comfort. And we see that they're uh, trading there or adding into their garage, the Riker or the Spider, because they're looking for more comfort. They're looking to the peace of mind and they like travel. If you like travel and you don't want to stop, Canam, uh, the Canam Spider is also a very good uh, choices to them because now they can explore, have more time to look around. And that's kind of the, one of the advantages of the three wheel. 
So uh, to, to compare this to a motorcycle, which I'm not even sure is fair to do because they, they are so different, but, but to compare it to a motorcycle, for those out there who ride motorcycles and understand what it feels like, what's similar to riding a motorcycle and what's dissimilar to riding a motorcycle with the Riker or the, um, the Spider? I will say the 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 the, the main differences. Um, the, the first one is for sure the leaning aspect. So on a Riker or a Spider, you know, you're not leaning into the curve. So that's why that's the major differences. So for so people, so this thing's cornering that, flat. When you go around the corner, you're cornering flat. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. like if you're riding an ATV or a snowmobile or a, a Sidus, it's the same. It's like a car. You know, when you turn, you go on the right or you turn on the right and you go on the right. Mm-hmm. You you are not counter steering to, to turn. So that's the major uh, differences. So that's why when I said leaning and to care for motorcyclists is very important. And people like that. And, and you know, and uh, it's, but on a three-wheeler, Specifically on the Canamaraca and the Spider, the differences is one of the differences is that one. On the counterpart, what is interesting when you arrive into twisties, uh, or if you have gravel road, or if it's raining like a hell and you take a corner on a motorcycle, for sure you have to adapt your behavior. Same thing on three wheel, but the major difference is you have three uh, tires on the ground. So that's why you also, we have a lot of electronic stability system. Uh, We have a traction control system. So this is keeping the wheel on the road, you know, big time. And that's why in any condition, you have a better um, footprint. So again, you still need to drive, you know, in in the right of way. But the point is, that's why a lot of people prefer to go on three wheel. That's a key advantages. Because regarding the trail, regarding the road or the condition, you feel much more safer on your vehicle. But you can still travel the same as, as what you were talking about. You, you can still load this thing up and put your gear on it and, and hunt off to adventure. So really the, the big difference is, is the, the leaning. You're not leaning and you have this, this added stability with the three wheels. And, and it's funny because you were talking about the different types of people, the three people. Um, yep. What I picture was, was one, people getting to the point where maybe they want more stability. Maybe they're um, uh, finding themselves unsure of their balance. It's a perfect transition to extend your riding if you have some uh, any issues with stability. Or maybe you don't want to pick up your bike anymore because certainly for anyone who rides an adventure bike, when you drop it, as the years go by, the thing just gets heavier and heavier. But that the first one that you mentioned there about um, people entering the market, I think that is a is a really um, interesting point, and probably one of the um, the ones that sells a lot of machines for you is that those people who are learning to ride. One of the big fears of learning to ride is having to deal with one keeping the bike upright. The other one is the clutch and dealing with the clutch on most motorcycles. I know we have some now with the like the Africa Twin, but the um, the Can-Am, Spider, and Riker, these are CVT gearboxes. So they're, they're constant variable. In other words, they're, they're basically automatics. Exactly. Uh, on the Riker, exactly. We have two types of, uh, of um, you know, of gearbox. And, and that's one also, uh, I will say, main differences versus the motorcycle. So let's say the Can-Am Riker. The Can-Am Riker is, you know, for us, is we, we introduced the Can-Am Riker in 2019. And the goal was really to simplify the access to, to the adventure, to the on-road. So that's why we have a Riker. Uh, we have the 600 engine, 900 en- engine, and we have also a rally edition for the people that like to go, uh, you know, off pavement. And what is interesting is this one, as you mentioned, it's a CVT. So basically, uh, you have also the reverse um, and that's part of the simplification of also of the access because you have no clutch. You you don't have also handbrake on a Canam Riker and a Canam Spider. That's the main differences. So you have the only thing you have to control basically is your uh, brake with your feet that control the three wheels. And and I can guarantee you when you compare two and three wheeler you have much more contact patch. So the braking is incredible on a three-wheeler uh, when you compare to the two-wheel as well. So 
that's why when we talk to bringing new people, imagine yourself, picture yourself as for sure, if you know, you're riding since 25 years, motorcycle, it's kind of intuitive. You know, you don't think how to clutch, but imagine you, when you start, you have the clutch, you, and then you have the, the handbrake, then you, you know, you have the, the, the gear shifting level with your feet. And then you have also the other a brake with the other feet. So basically it's a lot to manage, not to mention how to start the bike, how to, so all of that for us, when we say we want to bring new people into the sport, What's that? We're serious about that. So that's one in product level. The the since day one, the goal is to make sure we we don't have a clutch. We started with the Riker with the clutch. By the way, when we started back in two thousand eight, we had uh, half of the lineup with a clutch, and half of the lineup with a sequential electronic. Basically, it's kind of a paddle shifting. So right now on a Riker, as I mentioned, it's only CVT. But for Spider, we went from about 50-50 clutch versus sequential electronic. And then it's 100% sequential electronic. Why? Because people just want the peace of mind. When you understand just a sport car now, you know, you don't have, yes, some have still the, the shifter. But more and more, they have the paddle shift. Why? Because you have that also in the car, but it, it's much more simple and it's faster. It's, it's why the F1 formula has also that type of shifting. So for us, it's also something to help the riders to let's keep your focus on the road. Let's keep the focus also on the surrounding and the spider take care of the braking with only and also the shifting. You don't need to bother with that. So th this is helping a new type of people to enter into the sport. Now, what about tires? The tires to me don't look like motorcycle tires at all. In fact, they are. In fact, they are, Jim. The only difference is, uh, you're right, for sure, it's different versus traditional uh, motorcycle tire because with a motorcycle, as we discussed, we have to lean. So when we lean, for sure, on the side of the tire, you need to have more roundish, I will call it, like, in, in that way. Mm -hmm. For versus a Canam Rider or Canam Spider, you don't need to lean. So what you want is to maximize your contact patch, basically. So that's why you're right. It's more similar to the car, but still uh, the tire uh, are made ex specifically for the Canam Riker or the Spider, because when we calibrate the vehicle in a corner with the weight, also with the durability, we want to make sure we have the, the best experience. So that's why we don't want people to put car tire because they are not built for that. Oh, uh, yes, it could work, but when you want to maximize the performance and the safety aspect, we, you have to make sure you have the right tire. So what kind of miles do you get out of, out of these tires? Is it more than what you get out of a motorcycle tire? It's very similar. And again, it's really depend of how you rode it. If you go on the travel and you, you go on the, on the gravel road, uh, and you do burn out like, uh, you know, for sure the, it's not the same longevity, but overall, when you compare with the two wheel motorcycle, it's very similar. Mm. Of course, yeah. So the same as a motorcycle. I mean, you, you can burn them off very, very quickly or have them last a considerable length of time just by changing your riding style. So, so that makes exactly it, that makes sense. So now what about these for taking on to you mentioned gravel, which I'm, I'm, I've seen videos of them doing gravel and, and it looks like it's, it's fun. <laughs> what are the limitations as far as off road? Yeah, it, it, it's a good point. That's, you know, the, the three-wheel aspect, and I can guarantee you some people are doing <laughs> off-road with our vehicle. Uh, and for sure for us, we said, guys, this is for, for uh, it's not for trail, it's for unpaved road or road. So that's why, because we have the regulation we follow and, and the three-wheel, basically, if you really want to have, let's say, a, a spider uh, or racker that is really off-road, you know, to follow the ATVs and the SSVs. Basically, what we need is to increase the ground clearance. That will be the first thing. Because right now, you still have ground clearance, but 
to be honest, if you want to travel and, you know, you mentioned Africa Twin, for sure it's another beast, but uh, that's kind of vehicle. You, you need the ground clearance and also you need a better shock absorption because you're going to, to, uh, to go to the bottom of the shocks rapidly if you go on the big bomb. So that's those are the two main, I will say, element that we will need to work on to if one day would like to have a true uh, off-road uh, three-wheeler. So that's those are the two main things that I'm thinking right now, Jim. But I can guarantee that if you take a Riker Rally or even the Spider F3s and go on the unpaved roads, uh, my God, it, it's so fun. So it, it's really like a rally car experiences that you could have on that. Uh, and a lot of people are doing it. So that's why uh, it's not made for that. You know, the goal is more to open the road to everybody. But a lot of people are, are using it in that way now. I haven't ridden one yet and I do plan to do it because it sort of piqued my interest looking into this. But what I have seen with the videos is people riding gravel and things like that. And it looks to me like it handles so different from a motorcycle. It, and that's why I said, yeah, maybe it's not fair to, you know, to, to do this comparison all the time. What's it like compared to a motorcycle? It almost seems like a different experience to me. You know, it, you mentioned the side-by-side and, and the ATV, but, it, but it's almost like going from a dirt bike to an ATV. I mean, both of them will take you wherever you want to go sort of thing, but they're different experiences and they're fun sort of in their own field. Is that what the, the, the three-wheeled Spider and, and Riker is? It's, it's sort of like um, a unique experience. You're totally right, uh, Jim. I think your, um, you know, your analogy between, uh, let's say, dirt bike and going to ATVs or side by side is a great one. What type of license do you need to ride one of these? Uh, in fact, if you have a, a two wheel license, you can ride on a three wheel, and you don't need to take another license. Also, that's the first point. Then, if you don't have a, moto, a motorcycle license, you can take a three-wheel courses. And it depends where you live in, you know, in the States or in provinces or also elsewhere in the U.S. But in general, I will give you an example. In Quebec, it's in Canada, it's a seven-hour course. So it's a course that you can do online. And then you have a riding course for four hours. So basically, you have your license in a day. That's it. Then in, in wait, wait, wait you, that, that's your full license right there, Martin. You got it. Yep, exactly. Wow. So that's why it's very easy. But at the same time, it just tell you, you know, how accessible the product is. It shows how easy it is to ride. Really, I mean, you know, if if you can get your license that fast, if the government's saying that you know you, that that's what you need to get your license, they know it's it's stable, it's easy to ride. Uh, you're totally right. And in US with the Motorcycle Safety Foundation, they have a specific curriculum of uh, for the three-wheeler. And it, depending where you are, it's between one day or uh, two days maximum. So that's why it's very different of a long process, something that you experience to get your two-wheel license. How many of these have been sold since 2008? Uh, <laughs> this is a, a good question that for sure, uh, that's something I can, I, I you know, I, I cannot reveal because we are, uh, we are a private company. Yes, we are at, at a stock exchange, but I can go there. But what I can tell you to give you a sense of, yeah, but is it working or not? Do do, you know, is it still a niche or more a mainstream product? Uh, Basically, this year, if I look in 2021, uh, Canam on Road performed two times better than the motorcycle industry average this season in North America. So this is huge. You're, you're so, talking sales here. Exactly. Wow. So this is not only COVID. So, you know, with the COVID, you know, we will have been into the average, but now two times better. So it's just to show you the how the uh, Canam on Road retail is going well. But also, if we look since 2019, since when we introduced the Canam Riker, the most accessible vehicle at uh, less than $9,000, we triple our market share and also to triple the business. So it does show you that we have an incredible momentum on the three wheel right now. 
both with motorcyclists and new entrants. So, and that's why I'm very happy. It's not only new entrants. A lot of motorcyclists are discovering the, the Can-Am three-wheel. I wasn't asking your, of course, your sales figures to to <laughs> to figure out some stock advantage or anything like that. But what I was what I was going to mention is that what I have noticed that when these three wheelers first came out, when you Canem first came out with the Spider, I would see them very very rarely. Now when I'm out, I'm seeing them more and more. As a matter of fact, I'm sort of surprised in the last few years how often I'm seeing these go by. And many times they're in groups. They'll have two or three of them riding together. So I can tell that, um, you know, they're becoming more and more popular. So it's quite intriguing. And and back to what I was saying again about um, the entry, your entry into it, onto the three-wheeler because of your apprehension for two wheels, which I don't blame you from your experience because it's a horrible experience. I had one similar, but I didn't get the same, uh, I didn't have the same result from it. I was still interested in riding, but I was terrified in the back of a bike. <laughs> but, but what a way to enter, to enter on three wheels and then discover the, that feeling of freedom, the feeling of the wind in your face, those things that are similar to a motorcycle. And then think, well, why not get a bike, you know, and, and as uh, added to your fleet sort of thing. So I can certainly see that. So one other thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, what about insurance for this? Now, is this the same as motorcycle insurance? Will people be paying a lot more and is it easy to get? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Uh, again, back in 2008, I can guarantee you when you was among the first uh, owners to call your insurance company, they said, what? <laughs> they don't have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But now, no, now it's uh, regardless, you know, where you're living, uh, you have insurance like, uh, you know, uh, your uh, two-wheel motorcycle and there's in terms of pricing in fact in most cases it's cheaper yeah i was wondering um, because it's, there's less uh, chance of a, of a get off with it obviously with exactly the right. exactly uh, and the accident you know we nobody like to talk accident and you know touching knocking on woods and mm-hmm. but the point is uh, by statistics there's much much less uh, accident on a three-wheeler versus two-wheeler. So that's why uh, the insurance are uh, most of the time much more or less. And um, also depending your region, also when it's time to just to 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 play the the license, also it's it's less. So it's not only insurance; it's also the the the, the plate to, to play the bike. It's uh, normally on a Riker or a Spider. It's less. Now, Martin, uh, um, you you can uh, you may not be able to talk about this, but you can go ahead and talk, and, and I won't tell them you said it anyway. But are there any plans to come out with a three wheel drive um, spider? <laughs> yeah, oh, I can guarantee you. You know, let's say we're we were talking, you know, about uh, off road, a three wheeler off road. Well, so that's what I was thinking. Sh- <laughs> no, exactly. So, uh, you know. BRP is an innovative company. So you can, I can guarantee you that if you talk that and you talk with engineers, that will be kind of their dream <laughs> to have that. And imagine the power and the fun this could uh, apply. Uh, but for, for, you know, right now, uh, for sure, I won't be able to go in detail about what's the future and everything. Um, but that, that's something, you know, uh, every type of thing that could be interesting or fun or, that's BRP. So for sure, that's some stuff that we're looking and one day we never know. But right now, you know, it's not a, it's it's not necessarily in the plan. But for us right now, what we're really looking for is uh, everything around the EV, you know, the electric vehicle. And, and that's something our uh, CEO that, you know, that was announced uh, um, also this year that by 2026, every product line, so meaning... Canam on road, but off-road, ATV, side-by-side, is going to have an electric product. So that's really where we're going right now. And what is interesting is within the next two years, we're going to have the first um, electric product. Yeah, well, interesting times ahead um, with with everyone going to EV stuff. Martin, thank you very much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I was speaking with Martin Etier. He's the director of global marketing at BRP or Can-Am. Now we've got some photos of the Riker and Spider models uh, in our show notes for this episode at our website, adventureriderradio.com.
Hey, I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and you, the listener. Thank you very much for being a part of this by listening to the show. Now, if you're not doing it already, we need your support because the show is built on a model of advertising and listener support to make the whole thing work. So drop by our website, adventureriderradio.com, click on support. Anything $10 or more gets you an Adventure Rider Radio sticker for your pen, your, your, your toolbox, wherever you want to put it. Anything $50 or more gets you a shout out on our Raw show. And that's the other thing I wanted to mention quickly is we have another show that comes out once a month called ARR Raw. It's a roundtable talk of motorcycle travel. There's a group of us on there. If you haven't heard it already, drop by, check it out. All that information is available on our website, adventureriderradio.com as well. Every episode we do, every single episode has show notes in it. So you can drop by our website, look up the episode. You can see photographs of the people who are in it, um, all different things in there. Anyway, time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. Thanks very much for listening. My name is Jim Martin. Talk to you next week. Hi, this is Charlie Borman, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Yeah.